Dad Static episode 55. <clears throat> all right. All right. Welcome back. I, uh, uh, doing this again here. It's still going. I can't believe I'm 55 of these things. And, um, even if a couple of people have listened to it, maybe there's something that's, uh, made you think a little bit or helped make me think about some of the stuff that's going on and how I can, uh, hopefully help, uh, my own, uh, community where I live. Um, uh, article I read in the Christian headlines a couple of days ago, and I like to go through whenever I stumble upon something that kind of hits me and, you know, a lot of them all kind of tie back into the different things with the, you know, corruption within our government, between our leaders, between, uh, so much of the corporations, the big companies that kind of control things, uh, you know, big companies that control certain states There are big countries that, uh, companies that control many, many states that you would think would be fighting for, uh, freedom and liberty, but those states are under control by giant corporations that are global, and it makes it very difficult. But we see just different things when it attacks kids, and you know, since I have children, and I guess it took a while for me to get, as I got older, to realize um, that we are under attack. Um, the kids have been under attack for decades. Um, we've been watching, uh, you know, this sounds a little hokey, but we introduced our kids to the TV show Leave It to Beaver, which came out and was well over before I was ever born. I think it went, ran from 57 to 63. But I remember watching the reruns when I got off the school bus when I was a kid. And I just remember, you know, the kid, you know, watching Wally and the Beaver and the friends like Eddie Haskell and all of them. And it was really, you know, just the kid part of it I thought was really funny. But now we've shown it to our kids, and we've kind of got addicted to watching it. I think we're about two-thirds of the way through all of it. There's six seasons. And it's really interesting to watch the parents. And, but it does take you back to a simple, a simple day or simpler time. And that granted in our history at the time, 57 to 63, there was a lot going on that they don't talk about in the uh, in the TV show. But, um, but just watching it and just see how things were simpler. And uh, how families, how we looked at what a real family was back then. And um, we were far from perfect, but I, I, I think we really did a good job as a country trying to protect the kids. Uh, there's a lot to be said for a lot of other things that needed to be improved upon. And uh, thankfully, many of those have been approved upon. Um, and through, certainly through the 60s and the 70s, um, nothing's perfect, but um, we're a lot better country than it used to be. Um, but when I see things that go after kids, like um, you just stumble upon different articles, um, it just baffles the it just baffles the mind. I don't understand some of the stuff that goes on out there, and, and, and much of it doesn't necessarily go on in my backyard where I'm from in Georgia and what I've seen in Florida so much. But you hear about it in New York and California and Oregon and Washington, and you just you're just kind of like, wow, is this real? This can't be real. How can this really be going on? Uh, well, this article for the other day was from um, the Christian. It's called Christian Headlines, and I have seen them before, but I don't think I've ever used anything out of um, this site. But the name of the article is uh, "How the Church and the State Failed Abigail Martinez," and this is from. Uh, looks like it was at a um, an event. I'm not sure where it was, but it was called the Celebration of America's Promise to Parents. Um, hosted by the Alliance Defending Freedom. Now, it says um, how the church and state failed Abigail Martinez. 
uh, Abigail Martinez. I'm going to read a lot of this, and then we'll kind of, kind of, I'll kind of step away for for a second and make some comments. But I'm really just kind of going through the article, just to kind of give you an example of something that sounds so extreme and so bizarre and so uh, hateful and ugly and and just so demented. And I think most people in this country will certainly agree with this. It just makes you go, well, you know, you just, you just can't have your kids in public school. You just can't do it. Now, that doesn't mean some public schools are fine. Some teachers are going to do it and do it the right way. But this is a really terrible social creep that's going on in many of our states. And it just keeps creeping. It's going to creep in more and more over time. So we, at some point, we as parents and, and regular American citizens have to be the ones that stand up. Because politicians are not going to save us. It will not happen. This, this country is founded on Judeo-Christian principles, biblical principles. So when you hear somebody say that, oh, you can't talk about this, you can't talk about God, you, can't, uh, you really can. Because that's what we are founded on. Our documents that make this country great were founded upon Christian values. So when somebody tries to say that you can't do that, that's BS. This country was founded on that, and everything we do should, be, should go back and have some kind of reference point to that. And if somebody says otherwise, then they're wrong and they're lying to you, which is just what they want to do. They, the more they take God out of everything, the more they can just continue this horrible, horrible uh, social just disintegration that we're seeing right now, and certainly with our children. It's bad enough that they're breaking the families down. Now you're breaking the kids down from these broken families. Now you're going after it again. This article, Abigail Martinez, a grieving mother, shared a story at this conference, uh, America's Promise to Parents conference, that every single parent, pastor, and lawmaker in America has to hear. Abigail's daughter, Yaley, began to struggle with depression when she was in the eighth grade. Not uncommon, certainly now. This was a couple years ago, but certainly not uncommon now based on the pandemic and the ridiculous rules that our government rolled out that turned out to be completely ludicrous in the big picture and how it affected people, especially children. Without communication with her mother, Yaley was quickly funneled. So she was in eighth grade, struggled with depression. She was quickly funneled. Uh, first of all, she didn't she didn't tell her mother about it. I guess her mom was kind of on the outside of it a little bit. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times that happens. High schoolers, middle schoolers don't tell their parents how they're feeling and what's going on. So she was, uh, the daughter Yaley was struggling um, with depression as an eighth grader. She wasn't communicating to her mother, so Yaley was quickly funneled by the personnel at her school. These are adults towards the LB, I'm sorry, the LGBTQ group, and then to an outside psychologist without her mother knowing. This is like a 16-year-old girl. Not even 16, but eighth grade. She's like 14, 13 or 14. Soon Yaley was being led by these adults towards a social transition. These people, unbeknownst to the mom, were leading, adults were leading this young lady to a social transition, changing her name by going with the name Andrew and increasingly presenting her as a boy. All the while, she was urged to keep all these details away from her mom. Once her mom found out, Abigail, her, her mom, protested against the, um, the secrecy and the strategy of this counseling. She urging counselors to instead look into underlying issues in Yaley's mental health. I don't know if they knew what, what she'd been through, what kind of issues she had. Certainly something that the mom has to be involved in first and foremost. Instead, she was told that by refusing to call her daughter by a new name and pronouns, that she, the mom, was the problem. 
If anything happened to Yaley, the school said it would all be Abigail, her mom's fault. From that mom, that moment on, the system, the system, this is in L.A., Los Angeles Department of Children and Family Services. Not that this is very shocking. The system boxed her out at every turn. When she was 16, this has been going on for a couple of years at this point, the school psychologist at L.A. DFACS, um, they urged the DFACS to intervene, arguing that because her mom was unsupportive in her social transition, Yaley would be better off living elsewhere. So they're telling the 16-year-old girl she needs to go live, take away the parental rights because she's not encouraging her during her social transition. Not trying to get to the bottom of what her depression may be, which a lot of kids do have depression and have all kinds of different things like the anxiety. But yet we're just going to, this, this little quick fix, we're going to push them toward this craziness. Um, so she was moved. Listen, listen to this now. And they intervened, said, uh, arguing that her mom was unsupportive of her social transition. Yaley would be better off living somewhere else. 16 years old now. Yaley was moved to a group home where she started taking cross-sex hormones. Started taking drugs for sex change. Abigail, the mom, was only allowed to see her daughter for one hour each week. Supervised and strictly warned not to bring up anything relating to her daughter's transition, including their Christian faith. If she did, her visitation rights would be revoked. Do you understand that? They were taking the parental rights away from this mom, from a minor, because she supposedly wasn't supportive in her transition. The social dementia that's going on in our country right now. Complete craziness. And if we keep Yelly out of your home, Abigail remembered, the mom remembered being told, she'll have more of a chance to survive. She's not going to try to commit suicide by being out of her home. Let us, the state, take care of her. That always goes well, doesn't it? Instead, all the while, Yaley's mental health continued to decline. The testosterone that they gave her, the state was giving her, caused her constant pain for which the doctor prescribed CBD oil. She was taking cross-sex hormones. She was not happy, her mother said. She changed her name, but was still not happy. She adopted a dog because that was going to make her happy. None of it ever did. Everything they did didn't work. At age 19, having moved out of the group home and pursuing her new identity for about three years, Yaley took her own life. As Abigail later told the Daily Signal, I don't want any parent to go through this because this pain never goes away. You breathe and you can feel the pain. And it just kind of goes on and talks a little bit more about it. It's hard to imagine a tragedy like this could happen. It really is. As a parent and someone who hasn't been out of school that long, how can this even go on in a school? How can this be allowed by a state? How can this be allowed? A parent can lose custody to the state for trying to tell them that just trying to help hold on to the child's biological sex. Well, it's not hard to imagine that Yaley Martinez will not be the last victim of these bad ideas indoctrinated by state power. It makes you go, why would a state want to have power to do this? Why would they want to have power really to ruin lives? Why? Why are they trying to destroy children? Why do they think, what makes them think this is a better idea than having, say, Christian family counseling, getting the family involved in some capacity, in some kind of loving environment that's supportive. So many kids struggle with these dysphoria, some kind of dysphoria oftentimes when they're younger and early teens, but as they get a grow to an adult, they kind of come out of it and they live a normal life. But we try to shovel these things down their throat for these kids at these young ages. With this girl, it started when she was 13 or 14 years old. Why would they want to prey on a child like that? What is... To me, what is the issue behind it? 
Local governments like Los Angeles County aggressively promote the doctor, the doctrine of gender affirming care. Just to tear a family apart. Why would that be the case? Wouldn't you want think about it for a second? Wouldn't you want healthy families in your community? Does it make for a better community, a better experience, a better livelihood for everyone? Why would you want to tear that down as a whole? Great question, huh? I don't know. Why would you want to tear it down? Sounds like you're trying to hurt your, your, your neighborhood. You're trying to hurt your community. You're trying to make it harder. Are you trying to cause chaos? Are you trying to make things harder for everybody? This is the state of California. On a state level, one California senator has proposed a bill empowering courts to remove children, not just from California residents, but from anyone who travels to California whose children claim their parents do not support them in their gender identity or sexual orientation. So that means a kid from another state could go to California, say 14 years old, 15 years old, and say, my parents don't support me in this. And, the, and they will be, uh, essentially, they will be handed over to the state of California to take care of them from now on, and the parents have no more rights. Now, I don't even have to say anything to that. I mean, I hope you know that's in, beyond insane. They're trying to destroy families. Once again, we're not trying to make them healthier. We're trying to destroy them. That's what the state is doing. That's just one state. And it's not the only state. A similar case... Um, Recently unfolded in Ohio, where a county prosecutor charged a couple with abuse and neglect for seeking counseling instead of a transition for their daughter. And in Michigan, it was likely that the ballot initiative was taken to the voters this November, utilizing language of reproductive freedom to unsert parental rights in, in similar ways. Through these laws, the state perpetuates grave evil. In the case of Yali Martinez, the silence of her church. The silence of her church was even more tragic. Tragic, and this is what I want to get into even more. When the state assigned group home, when at the state assigned group home, Yaley repeated asked her repeatedly asked her mother when a pastor or youth leader might come visit. She said she felt close to these leaders and was eager to see them. They know that I'm here, right? Abigail said. Remember, I mean, Abigail remembered her daughter saying, "Abigail, as Abigail said, I asked them. I gave them the address. Some of these youth leaders, but they never visited. Not Abigail. Not Yaley." No public support from the pulpit. No private support either. Abigail Martinez has walked this path alone. In this, Abigail was the victim of a church culture designed around making people feel good and dodging difficult issues. Shame on them. Yelly Martinez will not be the last teenager in crisis. That's why I'm grateful for churches that, with the truth and grace, do show up for the parents in need. Nobody wants this culture, culture war over sex and gender, but we didn't choose this moment. To oppose state-sponsored trans ideology law and law and in school is a necessary act of love. No child should be harmed by state-sponsored lies. No parent should go through what Abigail Martinez went through. And absolutely no parent should go through what Abigail Martinez went through all alone. So we're talking about the state. Right now, what we're going to do to get our culture back is our churches have to step up. And I'm pointing at myself too. We have to step up. And a lot of these things are going to be very, very difficult. You think about it, this is just one community in Los Angeles, California. Think about how many communities in this country are facing difficulties because of just broken homes, number one. And number two, now you're getting this infiltration of this transgender, this gender uh, affirmation, uh, hormone blocking, all these things that are being done that are just going to, not only kids are going to be, kids are going to be confused anyway, just as normal kids. But then you throw this in the middle of it. They're trying to destroy kids. Why would our leaders, why would any leader in this country, a politician in this case, 
want to destroy a kid and make him more confused. Why? Why would they perpetuate that lie? Seems to me they're only because they want to create chaos. They want to create just a big mess as much as humanly possible. They want to make uh, lies look like the truth and make the truth look like lies. They're doing that on purpose. Your job is not only to start with your own children to raise them up right, which I'm trying to do with we're trying to do with our own kids, is that you need to be loving to other kids in the community. You need to get involved. You got to get involved. We've got to as just as a public, we got to stand up. There are very few, and I'll be honestly, I'll be I count them on one hand. How many somewhat politicians are truly, I think, real? I think even the ones that look like they're trying to do the right thing. I feel like the only time they're stepping up and saying things is when they're trying to raise money from us about some topic that we're all mad about, but they don't really do anything about it. They raise money off of that, though. Are you pissed off about this? Oh, yeah, well, we'll help. We'll, we'll, we'll raise some money. But they don't do anything. We need to have leaders. We need to have community leaders. We need to have people that are going to step up in some sort of way and not be a politician, but learn, step out to be some sort of community leader that's going to step out and talk about the truth. When I say the truth, I mean we need to talk about things that are difficult to talk about. That you're going to be threatened with your livelihood when you talk about it. But we need to do it. We've got to step up and say, hey, this is the truth whether you like it or not. And I'm trying to do a better job of that myself. I want to get involved. I want to be able to tell the truth. I want to be able to do this because it's not easy. Being a kid is already messy. But yet we're going to have allowed this stuff to get involved. There's enough challenges as a kid coming up. And I remember the challenges of myself and other people around me in the, in the late 80s when I was in middle and high school. But my gosh, now you got the social media thing just thrown in on top of it. I mean, you got, you got mar- you essentially have marketing toward kids to destroy their lives. It used to be cigarettes and rock and roll, which we still, I guess, in a way, you still have that. But now you throw this gender dysphoria, gender affirmation, all this other stuff. It just throws another extra cog on the wheel to cause more and more confusion. And then we have a government that is completely dishonest with us right now. There's nothing they're saying that's honest. It's all a bunch of lies. It's a lie. You're pushing over there a targeting every aspect of our lives, threatening us. Like if you stand up and you want to uh, make some noise about what's right and you doesn't go along with your, your job or your college or whatever it is, they're going to shut you down. They're going to fire you. They're going to ruin your life. That's the goal. So we've got to have a group of people that are going to rise up and say, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway because I think if enough people do it, I don't think. I know if enough people do it, we will put pressure on these big companies, these big organizations, these colleges. They feel like they can get away with anything they want to. Big pharma. But we have to step up in mass at some point. If you have a business, start stepping up in the community. You tell the truth. It might be hard, but I got a good idea. If you can stand up and talk about what's right and you're going to do what's right other people will stand up with you good people just need some leaders sometimes and that's what we need to be so let's protect let's go out there and save these little kids like this young beautiful little girl Yaley who's essentially abused by the state to uh, just kind of push their own little narrative that's all they did that's all they cared about they didn't care about this girl they didn't care about this mom and us they have Christians we get so tied down, we're so busy in our lives that we can't help. And really, you got to look at the big picture. At some point, we have to look at the bigger picture. We have to step up. We have to represent. And sometimes you're going to have to take a chance. 
you're going to have to take, do something very risky, but you're going to have to step out. Because right now, there's a lot of people just want to see other leaders step up because they're just a little bit too scared and a little bit too frightened to do it. I pray you have a good day and share this. Please try to put this, put a little burr in your saddle to go and stand up for what's right. It ain't about skin color. Go back and read anything about Martin Luther King, what he stood for. It was about godly principles all the way around. It was about character. It was not about skin color. Go out there. Don't listen to this garbage that's on there. Don't listen to the social media garbage posts. Don't listen to these Twitter things that are mostly fake anyway. They're just trying to divide. You go out there and try to bring people together through love and kindness. But you still got to step up and stand up against the bad. Sometimes that's not, that's not a lot of fun, but you still have to do it. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.